Good evening, everybody. Matt Spear from Don't Unfriend Me. It is Friday, February 12th, 7.12 p.m. It's wonderful to see you. Thank you for being here. Awfully excited to be with you for episode 101. And it is Red Friday, so all brothers and sisters who are overseas and not home front. Hope you're safe. Hope you get home soon. And I hope we, uh, we bring you back. Too many people are overseas. Let's get them home, folks. I mean, Joe Biden... Sounds like he's going to double down and keep them in country. And the one thing you got to say about Donald Trump, he certainly took care of our military, no matter what anyone said. Red Friday, nobody's going to get me for not wearing red. I've got my pencil, and it's red, and it's Christmassy, and it's beautiful. What is happening tonight? Well, it's going to be an interesting show, as always. There's always something to talk about, and we're going to cover a few things, as always. Number one, we're going to talk about the Capitol building. And I was watching some of the news, and I was looking through it, and I was just listening to the edible garbage that was being shoved down our gullets. And one thing that I heard on the Capitol was this just constant reference to that this is the, the, the only time this has ever happened before in the Capitol is when the British were here and happened in the 1700s. And since then, it's been peaceful. And that's not true. It's actually not true at all. And there has been several things that have happened in the Capitol building and specifically related to some sort of terror activity. I will go into two events tonight and I won't go into the fires or I won't go into the people who've actually tried to take firearms into the building or conduct kidnappings or anything else that's happened. But we'll just talk about bombings, which I think is relevant considering that these insurrectionists had pipe bombs scattered throughout Washington, D.C. with no proof that it was actually theirs and no pipe bombs were taken into the building to my understanding, but on the outskirts surrounding, there were bags of pipe bombs and such. So we'll go into that. We'll talk about that a little bit tonight. And I'm not uh, really interested in coming down on either side. I just want to show you what you don't know, which a lot of you don't know about this, because the last time you heard it was Johnny Reb and the Redcoats who were trying to storm the Capitol. And that's just more media lies. We're also going to talk about Bill HR uh, HR 127, which is about more gun control, and it's something I experienced through California, and I want to bring some light to that. And lastly, tomorrow we will have a special episode, which I think might go for a couple of hours. I was going to go live, and the gentleman, whose name is Leroy, who I got into an argument. If you watched last night's episode, I'll link. ah, All right, you know what? I'll link it up there. I'll link it up here. Actually, in YouTube, I think I can only link it over here. So it's going to come over here. And we got into a little argument on Facebook, and... You know, I said some things and he said some things and we insulted each other. But in the end, we have a mutual friend and it was amazing to see us kind of come together and just say we disagree and it's all right. And and I try to take the high road, but I seldom do that on the show. I do because I'm not going to get very far if I just ban everybody who I disagree with. But in personal life, I tend to get frustrated just as much as anybody. But this is going to be a good conversation. I invited him to the show. This is the eight thousand dollar an hour guy. He's coming on. And we're going to go, we're going to go and record it and, and we're going to have a conversation and it might get heated. It might not. It doesn't really matter. Um, I think it's going to be amicable and it's going to be fun and, and I'm going to challenge him hard and he's going to challenge me hard because he's a really smart guy. Um, and I, I even said that last night, I've, I've, I've listened to him and he's intelligent and he's probably going to put me in my place a few times and maybe I'll do the same to him or maybe we'll just not talk about that and talk about something completely mundane, but either way. It's going to make a hell of an episode, and I hope it continues because this is why I started this show, not to give you daily news updates, but to literally have 
people come on the show and present their side. I, I want to interview everybody. I, I don't want to interview stars and celebrities and musicians and athletes. I want to interview the common day man and woman. So this is a, a good start to that. And this will be the first time that we've actually done it in a recorded setting. So we'll see how it goes. I want to tell you a little joke tonight. I took some notes tonight, a lot of notes tonight, because there's a lot of factoids that I want to make sure that I, I get for you. Um, there's this guy, a soldier, and just got back home and he's transitioning in and he goes and works, wants to go work at the post office. And he gets in the interview and he sits down and there's a postal worker there. And the postal worker says to him, uh, you know, son, do you, do you, I have got to ask you a few questions and we want to do this interview. The first thing I want to ask you is, are you allergic to anything? And, and the soldier goes, yes, caffeine. I, I can't drink coffee. He says, okay, well, have you ever been in the military service? And he says, yes, obviously. I was in Afghanistan for one tour. The interviewer then says, okay, well, that will give you five extra points towards employment. Then he asks, are you disabled in any way? The guy says, yeah, a, a bomb exploded near me and I lost both of my testicles. The interview grimaces oh, and says, well, disabled in your country's service, that's, uh, that, that qualifies for extra bonus points. And looking at the regulations, you've got enough points for me to hire you right now. Our normal hours are from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And you can start tomorrow at 10 a.m. and plan on starting at 10 a.m. all day, every day. And the soldier goes, I, I'm a little puzzled. I don't understand. If the work hours are from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., why don't you want me here until 10 a.m.? He goes, man, this is a government job. For the first two hours, we just stand around drinking coffee and scratching our balls. No point in you coming in for that. Dummies in the house. It is wonderful to see you. It is great to have the dummies here. The dummies are the Don't Unfriend Me Nation. That is you. You are dummies. It's not an insult. Dave Portnoy has the stoolies, and uh, we have the dummies. And there's nothing wrong with that. You guys are dummies. It's great. And we're always looking for more. So if you have an opportunity, please come by and let us know how we're doing. And like, share, subscribe, and all that other stuff right over here. We would appreciate it. And every time you do, God saves a puppy. So you can find me on all my handles. I'll link those in a second. But first, who am I and what do I do here? Well, my name is Matthew Spear. I am the host of Don't Unfriend Me. I am the writer, the editor, the cameraman, the sound guy, the grips person. What does a grips person do? I think I know this. I just don't remember. Special effects, video editing. I do it all. It's all meets a one-man show. But without you, it really means nothing. So please share, like, subscribe, like I said, and get the word out. It means a great deal. You know what we're going to talk about tonight, and that is fantastic, but something you may not have heard of is this is day 100 of the hostage crisis. That is right. Facebook is holding me hostage still to this very day. I am bound and gagged and unable to advertise, and they say it's because of the election, and they're going to stop all advertising until the election is over, and I'm here to tell them that the election is over. I'm sure there's an algorithm that looks for this type of thing, and they've seen this 100 times on my show as I talk about Facebook and how they ultimately are a bunch of Nazis, and today is no different. Facebook, please let your people go and allow freedom of, spree freedom of speech to reign free. In the United States of America. This isn't California. Thank you very much. 
Tonight, I told you what we were going to dive into, and this topic is, I don't know, not a sensitive one, but I want, I want to be clear. I, I've kind of downplayed the insurrection, and uh, Officer Sicknick is not downplaying, and the five others that lost their lives is not downplaying, and what happened there and what the intent for some of those people was going to be was more than likely some sort of hostage um, situation where they would get a hold of a politician and take them hostage. And I believe that. I believe they would have got on Facebook and Twitter and everything else and streamed it live and made demands. And yeah, I, I, I'm 100%. And, and I think when the investigation finally comes out, as, as far as it's going to be, like the impeachment, it's not going to matter when it's all done. Because people forget and people don't care. And this is a prime example of that when we go back in history. Remember the news media. This is the first time the Capitol's ever been you know, ransacked and, and broken apart and stormed until the English oppressors did it in King George and the tyranny. Well, that's not true. There has been a lot of problems. And there, when we had the, the, the hostages in Iran, there were protests inside the Capitol that got out of hand. And things, fires were lit and flags were burned. There were bomb threats that were called in ad nauseum in between the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. There were protests. There were armed men who came in. There was a man who brought explosive devices in. There was a hostage plot. This happens every single day, hence why they have a Capitol Police, which has probably more funding than 26 different countries. And it's one of the largest standing police forces in the United States. And there's a reason for that, because it's under constant threat and its security is important. And no matter what you think of the Capitol Police, whatever the news media was saying was actually not true. And this is what they do. Now, I also want to be fair that some of these comments and these memes that you will see are also not factually accurate, but close enough. And of course, all the political fact checkers and all that other stuff and Snopes will say it's mostly true. Listen, there, there, there's no nuance between true and false. I, I don't know where the hell you grew up, but there's no such thing as mostly true. It's like saying you're mostly an asshole. You either are or you aren't. You can't kind of be an asshole. It really is mutually exclusive. Once you are a little bit of one, you're one. So you're either accurate or you're not. You're either true or you're false. Not mostly true, not mostly false, just true or false. And this is the gray area that politicians have, and this is the gray area that the media has, and this is what happens to memes and everyone else out there. Everyone is trying to make their story sound better than it actually is, and this is why I can smell a lie like a fart in a car. And this is why I literally shot down every QAnon conspiracy for the last 120 days, and why a couple of my friends don't even come by anymore and watch my show. Why? Well, because they were wrong, and now they won't show their faces. And honestly, I don't have time for them. They still send me QAnon stuff, and I don't address them anymore because I'm done with it. There is no conspiracy. Donald Trump will never, ever be the president president unless he runs and gets elected again. There is no shadow government waiting to take over. There's no military coup. There's nothing. There's your conspiracy and nothing else. It's crap. I want to address something else. And, and this is something I, didn't, I wasn't going to say because this is like 20% of my viewers. Y'all understand that I respect the American flag beyond anything else. Like, so to some people, the crucifix is something that, that is like sacred to them. Their family crest or colors or, 
or tartan, um, their name, a football team. The American flag is my symbol that I protect and absolutely adore. In fact, I've got the American flag on my shoulder pretty much every single day, whether I was in the military or not. And today, whether it's grunt style clothing or, or it's my shirt at work. I see a lot of people have their flag upside down in their profile pic. And I understand why. I, I, I get what you're saying, right? You put the flag upside down. It shows distress. It shows we're in need of help. I get it. And it was predominantly used in the forts and the Civil War and throughout the Revolutionary War, et cetera, et cetera, once we had a flag, is that the flag raised, the flag, flag lowered, or the flag upside down all resembles something. But in my eyes, it's disrespectful to use that and do that when it comes to a profile pic. What, what are you calling for? What do you need help with? How are you in distress? I understand you think the election was stolen. That's fine. I understand that you think that Joe Biden is not your president. That's also okay. I'm not telling you what to think. I'm just simply saying, I get it. But if we're sitting here complaining about people taking a knee and disrespecting our soldiers and our national anthem, how is you inverting the American flag in your profile pic Okay. You don't hang your flag upside down. You don't fly it in the dark. You don't let it touch the ground, even though there's no rule about that, but it's common sense. You fold it in exact certain way every time. You retire it when it's tattered or frayed or discolored, and you retire it properly and surrender it to the proper place. Boy Scouts, Fire Department, Foreign Legion, any VFW, or me, which I take flags all the time for people in my neighborhood because they know working for Flags of Valor or that I will still surrender my flag because I've got a 30-footer outside my house. When there's inclement weather, you bring her in. When you know that there's something that the state or the federal government announces as half mass, you bring the colors down. And honestly, you should raise the colors in the morning and take them down at, at twilight. But there's nothing in there that says you turn it upside down to show that you're displeased or upset. And I think it's just a little juvenile. Now, you come to my show not to be scolded or not to be educated on the proper way to be. You have the freedom of speech to d- and say and do just about anything you want. And hanging your flag upside down is well within your rights as an American. And I'm not questioning that. But if you're going to maybe seek counsel and listen to some of the things that I say, I would ask that you would try to listen to all the things I say and make judgment. I would encourage you not to hang your flag upside down. I think it's disrespectful, and every time I see it, it makes my teeth itch. But you decide. Just ask yourself the question. This is a great lesson for all of us to try. Can I objectively look at something and say, I can listen to somebody's point of view who I don't like, and then I'm going to try to process it and see what I come up with. And here it is. If you don't like Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, if you don't like people sitting in the national anthem, if you don't like people lighting our flag on fire, if you don't like people throwing the flag on the ground, if you don't like people spray painting it with with 666 and the pentagram, if you don't like people wearing United States flag as underwear, U.S. flag as underwear, or a bikini, or a beach towel, 
which I, I, I understand the point, but a lot of those are not spec American flags. You understand that. American flag is made a certain way. It has to have a certain amount of stitches, certain amount of stars, certain amount of dimensions. And, and not every piece of American flag clothing is specifically built a little different, a little oblong, a little extra inch, a little width of the star, those type of things, then it's not a flag, which is why we can make a wooden flag. And it's not disrespectful. And it's made by veterans because we understand that we make it just slightly different than the actual American flag. But if all those things bother you and you don't like any of that, then why are you hanging it upside down? It's just a question. Too many of my brothers and sisters, your family, your loved ones have come home with that flag draped over their coffin. I don't care if it's a picture or not. I would ask you, please try to respect it. But that's all. I won't say it publicly. I'll never admonish you. I don't dislike you. I just don't understand. Help me understand. Someone tell me why. Because I don't believe that the left knows what that means. I think they see an upside down flag and they think, oh, yeah, that person hates America. Just like me. Not liberals, not Democrats. I said the left. And I would never, ever, ever want to be confused for the left. Don't let inanimate objects speak for you. Don't let your words be misinterpreted. Your voice is too powerful and too strong. Don't let people assume things about you because your voice is vacant. It's just my opinion. Don't unfriend me. Holy crap, 17 minutes into that. This could be a long show. A bomb explodes in the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., causing an estimated $300,000 in damage, but hurting no one. A group calling itself the Weather Underground claimed credit for the bombing, which was done in protest on the ongoing U.S.-supported Laos invasion. The so-called weathermen were a radical faction of the Students for Democratic Society. Oh, co-figure. And this was back in the 1970s. The weathermen advocated violent means to transform American society, and the philosophical foundations of weathermen were Marxist in nature. They believed that militant struggle was the key to striking out against the state to build a revolutionary consciousness among young, particularly the white working class. Their primary tools to achieving these ends were arson and bombing. Among the other targets of the Weatherman bombings were the Long Island Courthouse, the New York Police Department headquarters, the Pentagon, and the State Department. No one was killed in these bombings because the bombers were always called an advanced warning, very similar to what happened in Nashville. However, three members of the Weather Underground died on March 6, 1970, darn it, when the house in which they were constructing the bombs exploded. It's the only job where the less fingers that you have... Show the quality of your bomb making. The three weather ground members were killed when a bomb they had built exploded in the basement of a townhouse in Greenwich Village on March 6, 1970. The days following the explosion, the police found 57 sticks of dynamite, four completed bombs, detonators, timing devices, and other bomb making equipment. Holy schmoly. Two other members, Kathy Bowden and Kathy Wilkerson, escaped. Kathy Bowden is now a partner of David Gilbert, heavily involved with the Weather Underground in the 1960s and 70s, along with Kathy Wilkerson, was a survivor of the Greenwich Village townhouse explosion, participated in the Chicago Days of Rage, along with partner David Gilbert, was involved in the Brinks robbery, and got 20 years in prison, was released in 2003, currently an adjunct professor 
at Columbia University of Social Work. They said she was rehabilitated. But the one thing you don't read in all this, and I went into the FBI files, is their names aren't linked, but they did actually attempt to blow up the Capitol and bomb the Capitol as well and were successful in $300,000 in damage. Now, this was back in 1973, and they also went after many other places. And it's very interesting when you think about this is that you don't hear about this on the news. In fact, most of you probably had no idea. I didn't have any idea until I started digging. Now, I knew about the one in 1983, and that's why I started digging in the first place, and I also saw a meme about it. But here's the second one. So that's number one that you didn't hear about. The 1960s and 70s and early 80s gave rise to a number of organizations aligned with the black power movement and Marxist-Leninism, including a female-led group known as the May 19th Communist Organization, also appropriately named M19 Co. Sounds like a meal ready to eat. (laughs) Beef stroganoff with warm curry and mom's apple a la mode pie. Founded in 1978, M19 Co. first guaranteed or first gained national attention when it took two guards hostage at the Clinton, now the Edna Mahan Correctional Facility for Women in Union Township in Hunterdon, New Jersey. And in the process, freed Asada Shakur, a member of the Black Liberation Army. And if you look her up, you've probably heard her name several times. Shakur's birth name is Joanne Chesmar, a former member of the Black Liberation BLA Army, who was convicted of murdering New Jersey State Trooper Werner Forrester during a shootout on the New York Jersey Turnpike in 1973. But M19 Co. perhaps is the most recognized for its participation in a plot to bomb the U.S. Capitol. Late in the evening of November 7th, 1983, members of M19 Co. called the U.S. Capitol switchboard and advised evacuation of the building prior to setting off an explosion the Capitol's North Wing. No one was harmed by the detonation, which was in protest of the U.S. decision to invade socialist Grenada. But about $1 million of damage was caused, according to the Smithsonian Magazine. During the following 20-month span, M-19 Co. continued a pattern of resistance bombings at the Israel Aircraft Industries Building, the South African Consulate in New York City, Fort McNair in Washington, and the Washington Navy Yard. Each time the group called ahead to clear the area. One of the members involved in the attacks was Rosenberg, who was arrested by the FBI in 1984 and charged with possession of explosives. She was convicted and sentenced to 58 years in prison, but served only 16 after being pardoned by President Bill Clinton on his final day in office. Wow. Trump's pardons don't seem too bad, do they? Rosenberg became a writer and an activist, taking on multiple leadership roles in the nonprofit sector and academia after her sentence. Today, she is the vice chair of the board of directors of Thousand Currents, which performed fundraising and administrative work for the Black Lives Matter Global Network Project for several years. A lot of people say this is partially true or partially false. Susan Rosenberg, formerly a member of a left-wing terrorist group, as we know, the M-19 Code, did participate in the bombing of the U.S. Capitol's North Wing in 1983. That's true, for which she served a 16-year sentence. But she is not the head of the Black Lives Matters Global Network. Rosenberg is on the board of directors for a nonprofit that sponsored the BLM Global Network. It's the same thing. And this is why fact checks are full of shit. It's nuance. Oh, she's not BLM, but she funded BLM, so therefore, that's different. 
While Barry acknowledged that in the context he provides the meme that he shared and when he wrote these articles is misleading, but it's not as misleading as you would think. It's factually accurate. And it's still not talked about in the media. Now, am I saying that what happened with the insurrection was even close? No. I believe the insurrection had a very evil underlying plot to it. And I believe there were 20 to 30 individuals who absolutely were intending to go in there and cause malfeasance with zip ties, with zip cuffs, with razor blades, with gags, with there were receiver devices and several other things. And I believe that they were absolutely going to storm the floor and and they were going to rain hell. And that's like a quarter of a percent of the people who were there. And the rest of the people there got caught up in the moment and went into the building and did stupid stuff. They teabagged Pelosi's laptop. They set off fire extinguishers. Yes, they killed a police officer. And a lady got shot and several others died. All of that is horrific and I am not condoning any of it. What I'm saying is, is even at its worst, it was a very small element that did what happened that we are lamenting on and saying is horrific. The rest of it was a bunch of idiots. And that still only represented about 4% of the overall rally. Most of the people stayed where they were at or went home. This was a very small group. Out of the possible 100,000 that were there, a group of about seven to 8,000 that participated, at least on the outside of this event, or worked their way towards it. Does that make it right? No, it's wrong. And I've said it, and I've absolutely admonished it several times on the show. What is wrong is that the media doesn't report the news. And that would have been interesting for them to talk about the bombs that took went, that went off in the Capitol, causing $1.3 million of damage in two separate occasions, the Democratic groups that caused that, who had ties to BLM, the BLM protesters who set Washington, D.C. on fire and every other state, and had been doing it for four years. The protests that took place after Donald Trump got out of office, or, or when he was sworn into office, and that continued over his entire presidency. The police officers that were killed and gunged down and brought into ambushes. The overall beatings that we saw for people getting pulled out of their cars for having a Trump hat or a Trump bumper sticker and beaten to oblivion for no other reason than they voted for the wrong person. We could have talked about the plots of people to go in with a clack vest to blow people up during one of the busiest summer days inside the Capitol building that had sympathies tied to Iran. We could have talked about how the 9-11 attackers specifically wanted to put a jet into the White House or the Capitol building. They're not sure which. We can go on and on about the potential threats that have happened. But to say and compare it to a standing army is a little ridiculous. And to say it's the first time that our nation's capital has been under attack is absolutely even more ludicrous. It's just asinine and stupid, and I've proven it to you tonight. And the only reason they won't mention those two bombings is because liberals did it. You know it, and I know it. And that's the truth. H1, HR 127. All gun control bills share the same basic goal, a world in which fewer people own firearms. 
Some bills simply ban certain types of firearms or ammunition outright. Others place obstacles in the path of owning firearms or ammunition to make them more difficult and expensive to obtain, thereby shrinking the market for them. The fundamental flaw of these approaches is that they treat all law-abiding firearm owners as would abiding owners as would-be criminals when the reality is that most firearm-related assaults and homicides are committed by people who completely disregard the law to begin with, including laws against taking human life. H.R. 127 combines both failed approaches. This is a bill, by the way. I think you know that. It bans common types of ammunition and original equipment magazines for most self-defense firearms. And it makes all firearms more difficult to obtain and possess through a punitive licensing and registration scheme. In its details, however, H.R. 127 is so outrageous, persecutory, and unworkable that its main function is simply to display the hostility of its author and supporters toward firearms, those who own them, and those who want to own them. H.R. 127 would ban common types of ammunition, including every shotgun shell larger than a uh, .410. The bill states it shall be unlawful for any person to possess ammunition that is uh, .50 or 50 caliber or greater. Violations of this ban would result in the imposition of a fine of at least $50,000 and imprisonment of at least 10 years. Mandatory penalties not seen in many violent or infamous federal crimes, including torturing someone to death outside the U.S. or committing treason during wartime are that harsh. Hunting white-tailed deer would be legally impossible in at least 10 U.S. states if these restrictions went into effect. The bill would also make it impossible for Americans to follow President Biden's advice to keep a double-barreled 12-gauge shotgun for self-defense rather than an AR-15 under their bed. Oh, Joe, words are coming back to haunt you. Innumerable numbers of shotgun shells currently possessed by law-abiding people for lawful purposes would suddenly become contraband and illegal. H.R. 127 would force Americans to relinquish hundreds of millions of firearm magazines with no compensation at all. The bill states it shall be unlawful for any person to possess a large-capacity ammunition feeding device and define such devices to include those that can be readily restored or converted to accept more than 10 rounds of ammunition, excluding certain integral 22 rimfire magazines. What does that mean? 10-round mags for all. California currently does this, and let me tell you, the first thing I did was depussify my AR-15s when I left California, and that is what happens. They have you a pin-set ejector on the side where you have to push a pin or a screwdriver or a small device to engage your magazine ejection button, and I will tell you it's useless. And while you're getting shot to death by an assailant, you're busy fucking off your gun trying to reload it. Industry production figures show that there are hundreds of millions of 11-plus round magazines today. As with its ban on shotgun shells, H.R. 127's magazine ban would apply retroactively, affecting items already owned by millions of Americans for lawful purposes with no compensation for owners forced to relinquish property that that was lawful when obtained. I'm sorry, ATF, all of my magazines and weapons were tragically lost in a boating accident. Learn those words now. H.R. 127 would require the federal government to register some 400 million guns in the span of only three months. We can't even get an election done in three months, and you want to register 400 million weapons? The bill states that registration information would uh, would have to be provided to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives. 
So it's the ATFE now. ATFA. It's even worse. In the case of a firearm acquired before the effective date of this section, within three months after the effective date of this section. But BATFA (laughs) would also have to create the registration system during those three months. Because the U.S. intentionally does not already have a national firearms registry, it would be impossible for the government to fairly and effectively enforce this system with respect to existing gun owners. The firearm registry database would have to be made available to all members of the public, as well as all branches of the United States Armed Forces, among others. This would facilitate private discrimination against gun owners, including in such things as employment and access to essential services such as banking, insurance, or housing. It also seems to presuppose that the military, which is prohibited by law from engaging in domestic law enforcement, has some role in policing civilian firearm ownership. Well, why not? They already have our capital under martial law with fences under lock and key and a curfew and a standing army. Guess what, folks? That's martial law. It's kind of like having war without declaring war. It's still war, and we haven't done it since World War II. Ironically, criminals who possess firearms illegally would self-exempt themselves from the registration requirement and under the U.S. Supreme Court case law could not be required to disclose their illegal firearm possession through registration. I'm sure in those sanctuary cities, we can't hold them accountable either. H.R. 127 would retroactively criminalize, criminalize firearm ownership by young adults. Currently, there is no federal prohibition on adults age 18 or older possessing otherwise lawful firearms. The bill, however, would require a license to possess any firearm and licenses would only be available to those age 21 or older. So you can die for our country at 18. You can smoke wacky tobacco. You can drive a car. But you can't own a gun. But you can go grab a gun and fight for our country. What type of bull is that? getting hard not to cuss millions of young adults including those in the military would become ineligible to possess firearms for their own lawful purpose under this legislation including any firearms they already owned and that is interesting because can you imagine somebody go i'm sorry drill sergeant i will not pick up that weapon because it's unlawful for me to do so in the united states yeah you're going to be doing push-ups until uh until gravity ends hr 127 would discourage voluntary mental health treatment include uh health treatment, including for combat veterans or victims of violent trauma by permanently prohibiting the issuance of a license to anyone who has been hospitalized with a mental illness, disturbance, or diagnosis, including addiction to a controlled substance or alcohol. Anyone who had been hospitalized with a brain disease would also be ineligible for a license, including those suffering from brain cancer, epilepsy, and Parkinson's disease. Chris Kyle was killed by somebody with PTS at a gun range. A lot of vets use it for therapy, including myself and many other friends that I know, and we like to shoot because it calms us. And it's an art form, and it's something that's magical when you get your weapon to ring steel from six, 700 yards away. And to take that away from people who are using it for therapy, and if horseback riding can be used to heal your back, and smoking marijuana can handle with your migraine headaches, then me firing my weapon is A-O-K with me. H.R. 127 would effectively price lawful firearm ownership out of any reach for many of the poorest and most vulnerable Americans. It would require the holder of a firearm license to pay a tax masquerading as government-issued insurance, which is all insurance is, is a fracking tax of $800 per year. Licensed applicants and even other members of their household, as directed, would also have to undergo a psychological evaluation at their own expense. 
127 has a long way to go before becoming law. The bill has not yet been scheduled for a committee hearing, and it currently has zero co-sponsors. While it is not presently moving, it does show how far gun control advocates would likely to go in attacking the right to keep and bear arms. This very bill died in California. Every gun store in California was opposed to it. This can't happen in a lot of states. Virginia is one of them. We would create sanctuary states, and the sheriff's office has already done that for many gun laws that they tried to propose in Virginia. And the counties became sanctuary counties, and not for illegal aliens, but for illegal gun owners. America is a gun culture society. It's not going to change anytime soon. Almost every household has some sort of gun in their home, and most do. There's over 400 million weapons and rifles, shotguns, handguns, antiques, heirlooms from family, and there are too many to constantly grab. But the problem is, is even if they did a gun grab, criminals wouldn't follow suit. That is the one thing they won't tell you is how do you stop the criminals from getting guns? How do you stop places like Russia and China and Iran, Mexico, South America, Bolivia, Colombia from smuggling guns into the United States, which they currently do, and do a reversed Fast and the Furious and supply these inner cities with weapons, which they do. And if you are naive to think that Russia and China aren't putting weapons in the streets and in the hands of the inner cities, you're insane. The point I'm trying to make is criminals... And hang in there with me. Criminals don't obey law, folks. I know. It's crazy. There are over 300,000 crimes stopped by people carrying handguns legally in the United States every single year. Not every one of them would be a death. But can you imagine even if 50% of them were? We're talking deadlier than COVID when it first began. Folks, we have a responsibility. And our Constitution, I have said it a hundred times, is for us and not the government. The Second Amendment and those rights shall not be infringed. And I will tell you, many Americans will die on this hill. H.R. 127 is dead on arrival. It will not. It's too extreme. And it won't start that way. And it won't start with bump stocks. And it won't start with flashers. And it won't start with depleted uranium rounds or automatic weapons. It'll start with one word. Automatic is gone. and They will put semi in front of that, and then we literally will play black powder wars on the streets. Semi-automatic weapons are every weapon that's worth a damn, besides shotguns, blunderbusses, flintlocks, and bolt-action rifles. When they put semi in front of automatic, that is what will cripple the Second Amendment and every single American to defend their first and the rest of the rights that they possess that are inalienable but only because we can stand our ground and defend ourselves. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. That is it for 101. 39 minutes. They've been getting long lately, but I'm feeling comfortable. I'm feeling my mojo. The cussing, I know some of you may not like it. That's why I bloop it out. But you get the point. The people who like cussing get the word, and the people who don't go, what a good boy. He censored himself. Folks, I love that you came by tonight. I love that you stopped by. If you could also do me one other favor, like, subscribe, share right over here. And uh, you can do that on YouTube, Facebook. You can visit my podcast, my website, whatever. Say hi, stop by, 
add something in the comment section. If I said something you didn't agree with tonight, which I can't imagine, there really wasn't a lot. But if there is, let me know. And the reason I brought up HR 127 is because a listener put it in the comments and said, what do you think? And here we are talking about it. Folks, I am not big time. If I have 600,000 people, I will still listen. I read every comment on my site. I read every comment. I always will. I will always engage with you and I might make a joke or I might say thank you and I try to. Please don't get hurt. If I don't reply right away, give me another shot and I will. But I want you to contribute. If you have an idea for the show or you have a question, ask me. As long as it's not QAnon bullshit, I'm there for you. All right, folks, that's all I got except for the Veteran Crisis Hotline going out like we always do. Remember, it's Red Friday. We're red on Fridays. And Veteran Crisis Hotline, 22 veterans a day commit suicide. is way too many. Reach out to a veteran. Ask them for help. If you see a veteran struggling, traumatic brain injury, PTS, anxiety, depression, whatever it is, the best thing they can do is start talking. And sometimes veterans don't want to talk to civilians. Give me their number. I'll call them. I'll talk to them. I'll help them get on the number. And if they don't, You can take them personally to my website at www.don'tunfriendme, free of charge. Click on the VCL link, and they will be connected to a VCL operator live through Skype, free of charge. And if you are not a veteran, they will also help you. That is the great thing about VCL. Give them a shot. Give them a chance. Save a veteran's life. I will see you tomorrow for a very special conversation between Leroy and I, trading barbs and waxing intellects. And I'm excited, and I hope you join me when I post that tomorrow. might be a two-parter. Thank you, folks. I will see you manana. Oh, remember, disclaimer, just my opinion. Don't unfriend me. Thanks for watching Don't Unfriend Me, everybody. I want to recommend Alex from Aleko's Design. He works on all of my video and graphic design, and he is amazing. Please give him a shot. Please head on over to his website at www.alekosdesigns.com. And one more quick thing before we go, folks. Still Point does the music intro for the show. They are listeners. They are fans, and we absolutely love them. Special thanks that amazing song and you can hear citizen soldier at reverbnation.com slash still point